0: One of the first people who reached out to me when I launched Dear Constance is an old colleague. We worked at Gucci together during a very intense period. But there is a certain bond between people that were in Gucci in those years, and we always take each other's calls. This is a woman I wouldn't recognize if I ran into her on the street. But I liked the way she reached out. I liked that she gave me permission to say no. And I especially like that when she told me she wanted to talk about a work conundrum, She showed a lot of self-awareness by saying that it was actually a life conundrum, because of course, our work and our personal lives are extremely interconnected, inseparable, actually. So we get on the call, and she basically starts telling me that her current job is ending in April, that she has some health issues that she'd like to address, and that she's afraid to stop working. That's the net net. She told me she was embarrassed that when people ask her what she was going to do next, and these are people asking with sincere curiosity, she doesn't have an answer. And we had a long, far-reaching conversation that tied into the dynamics in her marriage, the dynamics with her father, and the fact that they relate very beautifully. A lot of their intimacy and conversation and exchange is about her career and her accomplishments. And how work is such a big part of her identity. And the thought of not working makes her sad. But that little voice inside of her is telling her to pause. This woman's 45. Lots of important things came out of that conversation. One was the bundling of the various aspects. When we bundle things together, the kids, the money, what other people think, the relationship with our partner, No wonder she can't come to a clear, calm decision. It's completely overwhelming. So we talked about unbundling the pieces, and we talked about finding language around how to respond when people ask her what she's going to do so that she can deflect what she's experiencing as negative questioning. Eventually, we got into a really interesting conversation about how she could explore her incredible intellectual curiosity, how she could design interesting activities to do with her children. It reminded me of something that happened to me when I think I was 39. I was running through the Minneapolis airport, Minneapolis being an important hub between Milan and Montana, where my parents lived at the time. I'm schlepping through the airport, and I go by this indie bookstore, and on the display outside is a book called Create Your Own Future, and it completely stopped me in my tracks. I immediately went in and bought the book. I didn't have any idea what it was about. I didn't even look at it. I just loved the title. Once I got on the plane and got settled in, I sat down and opened the book and within minutes I was in a heap of tears. This is a true story and it really changed my life. I'm a generally happy person and I liked my job and I was very proud of myself that I had gotten divorced and I was in a happy place in my life, more or less. But that book title and the questions that right from the get go what do you love? Where do you see yourself in five years? If you could have anything, what would it be? Those kinds of questions that are very far reaching made me realize that I had gone on autopilot. I didn't have the answers. I had strayed far away from everything I was taught as a child by my father around the power of the mind, being goal oriented, being clear on what you want. And it just left me really feeling sad, but it was a catalyst. And when I got back to Milan, my sister sent me Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, and I started doing morning pages the second I woke up to clear my head. And then I would make a cup of coffee, and one by one, I went through each chapter of the book, Create Your Own Future. Now, I'm not recommending that book. It's really old, but the point of the story is that it got me to downshift. It got me off autopilot. It put me back in the driver's seat of my life. I went through each exercise very deliberately and I thought through the questions. And I think I would say that was the beginning of my appreciation for what it means to have a quiet practice. I was one of those people that rolled their eyes when people talked about their meditation practice and their yoga practice. So I call it a quiet practice because it doesn't matter what form it takes. And it's about the deliberate nature of creating an expansive space where you can hear your own voice, where you can wonder and wander and tune into your intuition. In my case, that book and that first real morning practice really completely changed my life. And I designed a sabbatical for myself. It was the early days of the internet. I was so proud of myself. I found a house swap site and I did a house exchange with a man in San Francisco, and he took my Milan apartment, and off I went to create my own future. The thing is, in my conversation with this woman yesterday, we were very tactical, and I was sharing a lot of ideas and food for thought, and I know it was constructive for her. But when I woke up this morning, the first thing that came to my mind were things that I forgot to mention. And so I dropped her a WhatsApp message, and I said, I enjoyed our conversation. And here are the two things I wanted to say to you. I think it would be a good idea to do anything you can to get back in your body, because I think you may be a little bit addicted to work. And that's a thing, being addicted to the adrenaline of work and being needed and the intellectual stimulation, whatever. It really can be addicting. I know I've been in that mode. And the other thing I told her was that I shared exactly what I just shared here. Which is that creating a quiet practice, whatever that looks like, so that she can hear her own voice, capture her thoughts, and carve out a path for herself, was probably the single most important thing that I forgot to mention. I don't know if this is helpful to anyone, but I hope that if you take away nothing else, it's that the deliberate practice of spacious quiet can be incredibly ripe. Mostly because it takes you back to your own voice and your own inner knowingness, which we all stray from. It certainly isn't a once-and-done type of thing. That's all for now. Until next time, from my heart to yours.